Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. My name is Jeremy. And we're here to discuss the Uncanny X-Men number 142, the February 1981 issue, on sale December 18th of 1980. And this one is called Mind Out of Time, not Time Out of Mind, as we were promised. Two facts about this issue that I want to tell you about, Adam. I can guess one of them. <laughs> the first fact is that this is the first uh, officially published Uncanny X-Men, or X-Men, rather. I could have guessed that one, too. <laughs> the other one is I used to own this issue. Oh, that one I wouldn't have guessed. <laughs> and then I sold it on eBay for like a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was that like a mistake? No. <clears throat> so I told the story about uh, how I got X-Men 101. Long time ago, actually, when we recorded the X-Men 101 podcast. Well, in that same batch of comics, which was only two, we also picked up X-Men number 142 in, in really good condition. Was it mint? Probably not. There might have been a couple of bends in the corner, but it was in pretty good condition. So I had this comic book, and there's a long story as to how we raised the money. And I say we because me and two other friends went in on the purchase of these two comic books together. Have you not learned anything from this? It never works out. <laughs> Look, uh, when I bought these, I was in fifth grade, so I had no clue as to how that type of thing worked out. Eventually, we all decided that it was not working out, so they uh, convinced me to buy them out, and I did, and it was okay. Uh, I think the two issues together cost us maybe $25, which in fifth grade money is a lot, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I kept it, and I had a nice thick Mylar case for it and everything, and it was, you know, my prized piece. Because the X-Men 101 was pretty beaten up. I think I talked about it, like, postmarks stamped on it and stuff. It was really weird. But this one was in really good condition. And so uh, when the Ebays came around, I had a big box of comic books. I'm like, what am I going to do with these comic books? I, I should sell these things, raise a little bit of money, you know, buy something else that I'm interested in. So the two comic books I listed was X-Men 101 and X-Men 142. And I listed them as bid. You know, I didn't make it a buy it now or I didn't do a reserve. I listed it at like 99 cents with like $2 shipping or something like that. Actually, I think it was a dollar shipping. Because at the end of the day, when the auction was all said and done, it cost me more to ship this issue out than I actually took in money-wise. <laughs> so if I took in $2.50, it cost me $2.70 to ship it. Yeah, eBay, you have to do it at the right time in the right place. Like, like, like when I sold my copy of, like, uh, Origin, number one, you know, I just happened to be doing it right in the middle of when things were hot. So I, I got, like, 40 bucks for it, and it's probably not worth that. I don't know. I think I did something wrong, because when has X-Men number 142 never been worth more than a dollar? <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, there's at some point, somebody's like, well, I'd pay 10 bucks for that. Maybe you advertise it very poorly. I'm willing to concede that I did something wrong, but anyways. Maybe you advertise it as Jeremy142. And they're like, what is this? I'll get, uh, whatever, I'll put a a dollar on that. So Adam, I said that there was two facts and you said you could guess one. And uh, I don't think I said that one. What's the other fact? Uh, The other fact is that the original cover for this issue got lost in the mail, and it is in the omnibus, and it is a John Byrne cover, and it sucks. 
What does it look like? This cover that uh, Terry Austin did by himself, um, although I believe someone else inked it, um, is way better than the... Yeah, here it is. Lost by the Canadian Post Office, John Byrne's cover for the Uncanny X-Men 142 finally arrived after the issue's deadline was, and was inked by Terry Austin and published in Marvel Age 16. It shows a hand grabbing Wolverine, a sentinel throwing a spike through the back of Storm, and also holding Colossus, and it's not very good. I've never seen that cover before. I had no idea that this was not the original cover. This is an iconic cover. This is just one one of the top 10 covers of an X-Men comic book. And this was a this was a fill-in cover where they they basically said, "Hey, Terry Austin, we lost the cover. Can you can you whip something together?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, my time to shine." <laughs> I mean, this cover like if you're a kid in 1980 and you see this, you're like, "Oh my god." What is that giant robot doing to that Claude man? I got to read this. This is one of three Terry Austin covers that he did in his tenure of the X-Men. So, I mean, this cover also needs no real description. It's a sentinel blasting Wolverine and then holding a storm in his other hand with a big spike through her back. And they are both dead. And the uh, caption is, this issue, everybody dies. I think that, is that the first usage of this issue, everybody dies? Cause I, Maybe. I think, it's, be. I think it's used elsewhere, too. It might be used in other comics. Yeah. Not not the X-Men, per se. but I hope this happens in the in the movie, but I doubt it's going to. Oh, my God. This Just this scene right here? Yeah. That would be awesome. That would be, that would be awesome. Somehow I doubt it. But maybe, man, if that does, boy, if I got the uh, horse-drawn horse... The horse-drawn horse. The horse-drawn bus and uh, the sentinel blasting away Wolverine. It, it could be a crap fest the rest of the movie. And I'd be like, all right, that was $12 well spent. <laughs> <laughs> all right, open this thing up. Stanley presents The Uncanny X-Men. Chris Claremont, John Byrne, writing, co-plotting, and penciling. Terry Austin, inking, Glynis Ween, coloring. Tom Warzachowski's lettering. Louise Jones is editing. And Jim Shooter is the editor-in-chief. This, Adam, is a tale of two worlds and the child slash woman who sought to save them. And it is... We get a splash page with Kitty Pride in the middle of two time eras. One, where we left off last issue with the X-Men facing off against the new Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. And the others on her right, we see the future X-Men being chased by Sentinels. Yes. In the 2013 last year. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, and linking the two worlds, the two desperate battles, is Catherine Pride in her hands lies the fate of mutant kind, of humanity, of the earth itself. Failure is unthinkable, yet success may well be impossible, for she seeks to change history. I wish the portrait of Kitty went all the way to the top of the panel to truly separate these two pages, or I mean, uh, panels. Well, where would you put the text, mind out of time? Uh, by her feet, I don't know. Raised up the whole thing, put put that down by her feet. I would have also called it... it. It changed it from time out of mind to mind out of time. I think mind out of time works better. Time it makes more sense. Yes, it makes way more sense because her mind is literally out of time. Right. But I think time out of mind is like a a phrase, like a recognizable phrase. It's also a Bob Dylan album. It's a lyric in a Warren Zevon song. In fact, I was going to use it for this, but now I'm not because it's called Mind Out of Time. <laughs> <laughs> so, <clears throat> never mind. Next page, we get a two-page 
half splash page. It's kind of weird. Very theatrical, very wide. And we get a, uh, um, we get ourselves reintroduced to Dis- uh, Destiny, Pyro, Avalanche, Mystique, and the Blob. And this is a much better view than the one we got last issue with the, the last panel where John Bird kind of phoned it in. Yeah. Here he clearly kind of started here. So, right. So it's a lot better. You can see the Brotherhood crash the door. The X-Men are already inside, though I question how they changed from their plain clothes into their costumes so fast. But Well, you know, we've seen it before. Yep. They, Wolverine's got his costume in his pocket. <laughs> Storm can just electrify her clothes into Storm clothes. What I'm curious about, though, is you see all the X-Men, and they're ready for battle, all except for Angel, who's like, Whoa, everybody! <laughs> Looks like some action's about to happen. Oh, but he is saying, you want Kelly Mystique, you'll have to go through us to get him. Yeah, but that's not his pose. His pose is like, hey, let's go down to Riverdale and to the chocolate <laughs> shop for a slushy, everybody. Yeah. Senator Kelly is like, this is the United States Senate floor. How dare you turn it into a battlefield? Marshals, arrest them. Kelly, either you're you're either the bravest man I've ever seen, or the dumbest. Other way, you're gonna die today. And uh, Blob punches a police officer who goes young. <laughs> if I was this marshal, I'd be like, do you, do you do you see these people? I'm not touching them. <laughs> I don't get paid enough for this. Come along quietly, all of you, or else. Yeah, right. Oui, you got me shaking in my boots, cop. Chump, you're talking to the Blob. That's my new blob voice. <laughs> You're a real terror against ordinary people, blob. Let's hope the X-Men prove is easy to deal with. An avalanche rips the floor up from underneath the X-Men. Beams of force hammer out from avalanche's hands. And man, it's like a tidal wave. And No, it, wow. it's like an a- avalanche, Adam. Well, <laughs> they... They they say it's like a tidal wave in the caption. I'm reading, <laughs> oh, Jeremy. So, sorry, but but it's like an avalanche. Yeah. <clears throat> Blob reminds us that no power on Earth can move him if he don't want to be moved, and no force on Earth can harm him. Nightcrawler attacks uh, Avalanche with his now patented jumping, bamfing around, and punching multiple times. Seems to be working pretty well until Destiny jumps in and says, Avalanche, strike to your left. That is where Nightcrawler will reappear. Oh, wait. I guess she's an old lady. Avalanche, strike to your left. That is where Nightcrawler will reappear. And by the time oh. by the time she gets all that out, he's like way gone, and Avalanche is laying on the ground. Speak faster, old woman. Why are you here? This doesn't make any sense. You're like 90. <laughs> Heavens to Betsy. (laughs) I'll bake you some cookies later if you'll just strike to your left. Well, he does, and he knocks uh, uh, Nightcrawler to the ground. Wolf. Wolf. Which is German for wolf. So, Colossus, you've the power to transfer... That's Australian. Damn it, I can't do it. Uh, Hi. So, Colossus, you've got the power to transform yourself into some form of metal. I wonder, can that metal melt? That'll work. That'll work for now. Kind of sounds like a, like a. Um, uh, it's like an extreme mighty python. <laughs> I was going to say, who's Batman's butler? Uh, uh, sounds like him. Uh, not Jim Gordon. Alfred. Alfred, <laughs> Alfred. Pennyworth. There you go. <laughs> kind of sounds like that. 
That's a fancy flamethrower out of your packing, bub. I wonder what'll happen if I punch my claws through your fuel tank and into your stinking hide. Wolverine's retractable claws are forged of adamantium, the strongest metal known, and he has no compunction about using them. Wolverine! Says the panel. <laughs> Wolverine, don't! Says Storm. And Storm makes a little tornado to whip Wolverine away from Pyro for some reason. Storm, have you flipped? What do you think you're doing? Nice move, Storm, says Angel. With the country's growing anti-mutant sentiment, the last thing we need is Wolvie carving someone up, even if it is a villain. Angel, find Senator Kelly. He must be protected at any cost. Not going to do that. No. Charles, what the devil is happening? Says Moira. It's almost too fantastic to believe. Somehow the mind and persona of the adult Kate Pride from... Oh, basically, I'm explaining what happened next, <laughs> last issue. I'm going to skip ahead now. Yes, for more <laughs> details, just just read the last issue. That's daft. Uh, yes, Kitty Pride. Xavier, let's get you and Dr. McTaggart out of here, says an anonymous police officer. That's the first sensible thing we've heard all morning, Charles. Let's go. So they run after this lady who takes him into an office, and they're like, oh my gosh, thank goodness it was you, and then she sprays him with gas, and it turns out that it was actually Mystique with an electronic damper field, which kept the professor from reading his mi- or her mind. Complicated. Yes. Moira McTaggart gets some interesting dialogue that you skipped over, oh. which I'm going to now re- relate. Okay. Char- Charles, if you're right, if time travel is possible, if it... If it if if if, uh, if as a result history is mutable, we'll have to redefine our concept of reality itself. We'll never be sh- completely sure what is from one moment to the next. That's frightening. The professor responds, perhaps. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> What's it to you? Oh. I'm the smart one, not you. Oh, this girl's got nice legs. <laughs> And so they're knocked out. The nerve gas paralyzed them, depriving you from the telepathic guidance with only the woefully inexperienced storm to lead them. The X-Men will be fatally crippled. And for some reason, Mystique goes on to say, you're my most dangerous foe, Xavier, even though we've never met. (laughs) I should kill you now, but I'm not going to because, well, you're going to make a better hostage, maybe. Right. Because that's how comics work. Destiny walks in, and again, like, look at how she's drawn. Like, when we were first introduced to Destiny, she was in her old lady dress, hunched over, talking about how the future's uncertain. And here she's just got, like, gigantically long, smooth legs. (laughs) I don't even care that they're smooth, but she's a little old lady. She doesn't have those legs. I'm I'm right there with you. It (laughs) makes very little sense. Okay. Mystique wants to know how the future fares. Destiny can't tell. The images become jam- jumbled. There's a random factor. We covered this last issue as well, by the way. Remember? There's an anomaly, something along the stream. Uh, as so long as it exists, nothing is certain. I've tried to pinpoint it without success. So, for the most part. Speaking I- of Destiny's temporal anomaly, we cut to Kitty Pride. Destiny's essentially just saying, I'm, I'm pretty much ineffective at this point. Sorry. <laughs> Something's gone terribly wrong. My presence here hasn't changed a blessed thing. Although, how would I even possibly know? Because we haven't done anything yet. Oh, I've endured and gambled so much, only to fail? And then we get a flashback of essentially the first few pages of the last issue where, I don't know, the the future X-Men send Kitty Pride back in time. 
and she explains to the present X-Men what's going on. Again, for more details, listen to our last episode. And then we cut to what's going on with the future X-Men. Hold it. Another patrol. The Sentinels are busy tonight. We basically have Wolverine, Storm, Colossus, who is holding Kate Pride, who's got Kitty Pride's mind in it, and Rachel, all kind of slinking against some decrepit buildings and fence lines. They're making their way to the Baxter building because they suspect that the Sentinels will not expect an attack on their main headquarters. If we knock that out, we'll hamstring their operations across the entire continent. We'll have to hit hard and fast. Wolverine reasons that the Sentinels will more likely be expecting them to make contact with his outfit, the Canadian Resistance Army. <laughs> eh, sure. Well, they're pretty ineffective. <laughs> Storm says that she'll take the lead. Wolverine wishes her luck. And Storm says, I've stopped believing in luck the day I saw my parents slain before my eyes while I survived. Way back in X-Men number 102. Which, I don't know. Slain? Were they really slain? Uh, weren't kind they? Of, sort of. They were, well, they were killed in an attack by some extremists, weren't they? Yeah, but they were really slain. <laughs> All right. I don't uh, know. I, I think of slain as up close and personal. Okay. I I thought that that was kind of a weird uh, um, place to go to. I, I think it would have better served the story if she was like, I stopped believing in luck the day I saw all my friends killed by these horrible sentinels. Something like that. Yeah. I agree. Uh, all her life she's flown with death. Once she swore never to kill, but she has killed. And if she must, she will kill again. Although they're just attacking sentinels. Yeah, so it's hardly killing. Uh, she's become as ruthless as Wolverine, so she's flying up to the Baxter building. There's a sentinel uh, all by himself guarding the entrance of the Baxter building, and she blows it away with a lightning bolt. And this one does, luckily, does not have a dampening field Yeah, that the one in the previous issue had. Well, it's a, it's a different model. Like, that was Alpha 4L. This is like Beta 10B. <laughs> <laughs> no dampeners. You think the one guarding the Baxter building would be the better one? You, you would think so. There's also a perspective issue. If you look at, uh, and I don't know how tall the awning is of the Baxter building, but this Sentinel's head rises just above the awning. But in the next page, the Sentinel's like four times the the height of Storm. Yeah, well, we always get these weird Sentinel issues. In fact, last issue, I think when they were rolling out the Sentinels during the presidential election of 1984, the Sentinels they showed were almost maybe a little bit more than double the size of uh, humans. But well, They better be consistent with the, uh, the, the height in the movie. Like, I want to see Sentinels growing and shrinking at random intervals throughout the film. It needs to be whatever the, the plot line requires is how big they are. Yeah. <laughs> so at one point they'll be like maybe like a, a third the height of a, a person, just a little bit more, and then five times that size, half the size, double the size. All right. So they find a little hidey hole behind the sentinel, and uh, uh, St uh, Colossus asks Rachel to remain behind to protect Kitty as best she can, um, as she wants to know. She says, "I don't know, Colossus. Our world may not change at all. In instead." Kate's actions could create an entirely different timeline, an alternate parallel Earth. Wolverine says, so the time switch could be a wasted effort? Great. <laughs> Wolverine, I'm sorry, I just don't know. And that, of course, is totally an interesting thought. Like, she goes back in time, she changes the, uh, the timeline, 
And so the earth that they came from now splits off into a tangent and becomes a better earth. But these folks are still stuck on the crappy earth. And they don't even know that the good earth is still or has been fixed. Well, we'll talk about that more after the issue is over. <laughs> I mean, that would – well, we, we know kind of what happens from the long yeah. history of X-Men comic books. But even in the, just keeping it in the vein of this story and not everything we learn after that, that would suck to go through all this effort and be like – well, we may or may not have created a better life for our former selves, but we will never know. Right. Anyhow. But that's why they're that's why they're continuing to go on. I mean, they're still trying regardless of whether the future changes or not. They're 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 going to try to make their situation better. Oh, of course. Sure. I mean, yes. Why would you stop now? At this point, they have nothing to lose and everything to gain, right. so Storm lock picks her way into the building and they Managed to get into the uh, elevator where Wolverine uses his belt, his electric I-beam in his belt buckle should activate the FF's private elevator. This is not the most flattering Wolverine panel. It looks like he's peeing on the wall. <laughs> it does, in fact, look like he's peeing on the elevator wall. <laughs> yes, let me whip out my electric eye here real quick. Oh, man, this is a long time coming. <laughs> I've been holding this since 1980. Remember, I'm old. I got a weak bladder. <laughs> Healing factor only takes me so far. Uh, apparently, this base has an Achilles heel. If their intelligence reports are accurate and the housekeeping systems are still operational, uh, the electric eye, his, his, his wiener, uh, should be able to activate the private elevator. So the private elevator is the Achilles heel? I guess so. This is a lot worse than even like the exhaust port of the Death Star, because at least that kind of made sense. It's, this doesn't make any sense. Well, there, no one was supposed to get past the Sentinel guarding the door. Well, if that was the case, why didn't they put more than one Sentinel in front of the door? They made some <laughs> minor issues. Oh. Sentinel's not always the smartest. All right. Uh, so they're going to go to the top floor and prepare to fight for their lives. Um so there's no stairs in the Baxter building? There are, but these are these are old lazy X-Men. <laughs> okay. I don't think I could make it up the stairs. I'm, hey, me neither. I'm so old. <laughs> Duh. Stairs are for jumps. <laughs> Meanwhile... I'm not very good with stairs. <laughs> I bather with words now, but stairs, no good. Not so good. I trip. I got big feet. Back in 1980, the X-Men are fighting the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Kitty says that they're losing, but I don't know. It looks pretty evenly matched to me. Nightcrawler is dodging Pyro's flames. Colossus is punching into the blob. Uh, Avalanche is hurling uh, Wolverine on a block of ground, it looks like. It, it doesn't look like the X-Men are doing great. Oh, and uh, Angel, yeah, is, I suppose. Angel is fighting a fire monster. Pyro's taken on two X-Men at once. Pyro's pretty pretty, pretty good. Angel did not take uh, Kitty's advice to go protect Senator Kelly, clearly. Nope. So she's going to have to do it by herself. Like it or not, my duty lies with the senator, my place by his side. I wish Angel would have listened to me. <laughs> what a jerk. Um... Storm has a moment of self-doubt here. Uh, she's thinking that Cyclops could do a better job, but then she straightens herself out and says, Cyclops is not here. I did not want this position, but now that I have it, I do not intend to fail. 
She, she realizes they're hampered by the cramped spaces of the hearing room, so she blows a huge hurricane gust of wind and blows them all outside. The colossus clings to the blob. And I thought the blob did not get blown away. I thought the blob couldn't be moved. Oh, the blob is not moved. So everybody else is blown out of the building except for the blob. And Colossus, who is clinging to the blob. People on the street are like, good grief, that sounds, someone bombed the Capitol. Yeah, and I bet it was the White House that did it. So already some conspiratorial uh, statements going on. That's ridiculous. Joni. Joni and Rick, who are apparently journalists. I don't know if these people will ever come into play again or if they are uh, representational of real people or what the deal is. I've got no idea. I'm not aware of any Joni and Ricks moving forward, but who knows? Maybe they are. This is before Neil Conan would be my guess. Then we see Colossus get slammed through the hole that Storm created. Not just slammed, uh, but it's a whammo. Whammo. <laughs> and it's 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 a really good perspective shot. And with the whammo, the way it's kind of uh, perspectively coming out, like you look at it cross-eyed, and it almost looks like a like it, it's it's as close to three D as you can get with a two D picture. It's pretty cool. I like it. Uh, <clears throat> As Colossus discovers that where the blob is concerned, he is far from irresistible force and a very movable object. That is Colossus, whereas Blob is not. I told you, I told you, Ruski, unless I decide I want to move, no force on Earth can move me. But that ain't all I can do. I've been training myself to manipulate my mass. I just made my body so dense it can squash even you flat. That may well be so, Blob, if you could land on me. So that's kind of neat. A new use of Blob's powers that he's talking about here. He can manipulate his blobbery. Blob rips the ground up from underneath of uh, Peter, who says, By the white wolf. Surprise, Sonny. Remember, I not only can't be moved, I can't be hurt either. Cute. I could probably trash all of you new X-Men all by my lonesome. But not... Not Angel. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, the army has shown up from Fort Myers. There's a bunch of tanks and some troops that are walking up. And they're not sure who to shoot at, but so they decide to just shoot at anybody. Trash them all. We'll sort out the details later. Concussion cannon fire. And they shoot Colossus. The energy <laughs> weapon built by Shaw Industries. It's designed derived from the same principle as Iron Man's leg- legendary repulsor rays strike to deadly effect. Well, not really deadly. Not really deadly because Colossus doesn't die, but it hurts. It really hurts. <laughs> Tony Zark. <laughs> Colossus, look out! Arg. And that's when the men come in with the flamethrowers, and that is the stupidest thing that they could do because Pyro controls fire and creates a gigantic fire monster. Uh, yeah, tisk tisk, a bad move, gentlemen. I can't do the English accent. I can't even think of how to do it. Tisk tisk, a bad move, gentlemen. Using fire against the... W- I don't know. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, who can share those flames? I can't do it. Anyway, so he takes control of all the fire that's been generated and makes a giant fire monster. Adam, did you ever read the Kool-Aid Man comic book? No, but you have mentioned it in the podcast before. <laughs> I know I have. It, it, had a, it had a large impact on my life. But one of, there's three stories in it, and one of the, the stories, each story features a battle with Kool-Aid Man and the Thirsties. And the Thirsties are like these yellow energy creatures. But in, I think like the third story, the Thirsties 
uh, join into like one mega thirsty, and it looks like this guy. So mm. that that only works for anybody who's read the Kool Aid Man comic book. Podcast coming later. <laughs> it's only one issue, so it'll be a very short run. Anyways, uh, Angel flies around the big flame monster. He does, and uh, the flame monster is pretty much attacking everybody at this point. Wolverine's trying to get in to slice up the blob, and he gets grabbed by the flame monster, and that's when Storm realizes she needs to deal with uh, this flame monster now because it's kind of turning the tide. Only seconds to act. Even Wolverine's mutant-fast healing ability can't cope with the damage that flame hand will do. I know this because I've thoroughly tested it. <laughs> Pyro's fire monster is huge. That's what I like to call it. I'll need a considerable amount of power to counter it. And I'll have to do it on the first pass. Wolverine won't survive long enough for me to try a second. She so she does. Clearly has no idea the level of Wolverine's healing factor. <laughs> right. <clears throat> She's very impressed by Pyro's fire monster, though. She does douse the flames. Uh, Nightcrawler comes up and says, Wolverine! Mein verrückt Freund. Which means... My crazy friend. Are you all right? <laughs> My crazy friend. My crazy friend. That fits. I'll live, Elf. The fireproof, unstable molecules of my costume shielded me from most of the flames, and my fast healing abilities already dealing with the burns. I owe Storm Pell a few more seconds, and I'd have been a goner, but only in this continuity. In the future, that wouldn't mean much to me at all. I was once able to regenerate myself from my own bone marrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, Crawler, this hurts. For you to admit that, Wolverine, you must be in agony. Let me help. What the devil? <laughs> Wolverine, beware! That's not me. I'm me. One of the Brotherhood must be a shape changer. Avalanche in the background looks equally shocked. Huh? <laughs> Wolverine, whoever you are. Oops. He says, whoever you are, villain, you've just bitten off more than you can chew. I like being unique. I do not take kindly to doppelgangers. Neither do I. <laughs> this is crazy. Which is which? I'm still too woozy, woozy to use my sense. Can't tell them apart, but I figure the real Nightcrawler ought to be able to teleport out of the range of the, my claws, snicked. Wolverine, sheath your claws. Not a chance. We're in the middle of a fight storm. I'm in no mood for a debate. Sheath them or use them on me. And I don't think that's the last time she uses that sort of a phrase. Yeah, this is, I don't know, Storm, your leadership techniques are not winning me over. She's really micromanaging Wolverine. <laughs> That can be arranged, babe. I am the leader of the X-Men. While that is so, you will use your claws when I command. No other time. I wouldn't take that from Cyclops. And he looks like he's about to gutter. He does. This is a very intense picture of Wolverine. Um, but she says that you will take it from me. You possess speed, strength, and unbreakable adamantium skeleton. Not laced with adamantium. Well, she doesn't know it's laced. Ah, good point. Uh, you are nearly invulnerable. You should not need your claws. Now she's just lecturing him. Even though you're, you're nearly invulnerable, even though you almost just died, according to my logic. Yeah. Except in the most stream, extreme situations against the deadliest and most powerful of foes. All right, Storm. I'll do it your way for now. 
this conversation ain't finished, not by a long shot. And long Sneaker. shot makes his first appearance in the comic book. <laughs> and he snacks up its claws. And Avalanche takes this opportunity to say, you guys should get a room. <laughs> well, <laughs> pretty much. Since you and your pint-sized pal would rather feud than fight, it's only fair that I send you away from here where you can do it in peace. So he makes up a little road avalanche and knocks them off of their feet. What about Nightcrawler? Who's going to help him? I do not want help, Wolverine. I intend to finish this fight on my own. And that's when Colossus runs up and he's got a brilliant plan. He's still fixated on Blob. If if uh, Or actually, no, he wants to airlift... Wait, what does he want to do? Pyro's flame demon has given up on me. It's endangering more soldiers. I've got to airlift them out of the way. But he never does that. What he does is no, he... No, no, that's, that's Angel thinking that in oh, the background. Oh, right. Fair enough. Okay, so Colossus runs up with a steel girder, and he comes up with a brilliant idea that he is going to use Wolverine's back as the fulcrum of this lever, and they're going to use that to knock Blob out of the way. It's smart of Petey to use me as a fulcrum of his lever. That eye beam will crack before my adamantium steel bones will. Not laced. <laughs> Not anymore. Just previously laced. <laughs> so Colossus pushes down on the lever, causing uh, the blob to go flying through the air. Right into his nards. <laughs> Yow! That's okay. He, he had uh, increased the mass of his sack, so it wasn't much of a problem. You got him in the air, Colossus. What are you going to do when he comes down? You're going to die, what, Rusty. That's a promise. I intend to prove that no matter how awesome the blob thinks his power has become, Colossus will not be crushed by him, by anyone, by Krom. <laughs> so, I don't know. Earlier when he was punching at the blob, his fists were kind of being absorbed by, bro by the blob's belly. This time he's actually able to punch the blob over into Avalanche. Well, I guess the theory is that because the blob does not have stability, Colossus can now connect with him. Sure. <laughs> at any rate, he takes out the blob at Avalanche with one, with one mighty punch. Storm comments to herself that Angel has rescued the soldiers, and now it's time for her to finally deal with the flame creature, which, God, I thought she had dealt with like two pages ago. She, the flame creature keeps coming back. It's these stupid uh, U.S. soldiers with their flamethrowers. They keep bringing them out. Like, we'll get them this time. Don't darn it. So she creates a monsoon and puts out the fire. Yeah. Pyro gets all wet. I'm, I'm all wet then, love. <laughs> Meanwhile, Nightcrawler and Nightcrawler are fighting one another. Fisticuffs, if you will. Three of the Brotherhood are down. Now a fourth joins them. Perhaps. So it is actually uh, Nightcrawler knocks, uh, well, it's Mystique down. And he says, Unglaublich, your Mystique, your skin, your eyes, this is indeed your true form. Mein Gott. Which means, By God. We are so alike. <laughs> Could it be, Kurt Wagner, that you are no, not so unique as you once thought? You know my name? Who are you? Ask your mother, Margulis or Dosgusgofofosho, <laughs> who would know better than she. What? We know who she is because of the annual. That's true, we do. Ah, uh, yes. 
Angel swoops down and says, Vamoose, uh, the army's got Blob, Avalanche, and Pyro in custody, and they're looking to add the X-Men to their collection. So that's good. Angel, no, we can't leave yet. Or if we leave, we must take Mystique with us. Some of the things she said, I must learn the answers, the truth. But when he turns around, she has disappeared. And he reasons that she's a shape changer. She could have changed into anybody she wanted to. Now he'll never be able to find her. It's true. She won't. Or he won't. Mystique uh, admits to herself that she's underestimated the X-Men. But never again. The Brotherhood will re- be rebuilt stronger than, uh, stronger than ever. And when the time is right, then the X-Men will die. The X-Men are hightailing it out of there when Colossus realized, wait a minute, guys, we came here to uh, stop like save Senator Kelly and Professor X and stuff, and and we're kind of leaving. And and where's Kitty Pride? Remember that apocalyptic um, future we're here to stop? Yeah. And and also, what happened to Destiny? Remember her, the old lady? Yep. With the super swinging legs. <laughs> Actually, we have no idea that she's old. I think she's hot. <laughs> I would totally do her. Wouldn't Sprite still be protecting Senator Kelly? Who's Sprite? Oh, right. Kitty Pride. You better not call me Tab. <laughs> and so in 2013, uh, Colossus, Wolverine, and Storm arrive to the right floor, I guess. And uh, they see that there is a Sentinel working on a computer. He's Omega Series, a low number, one of the executive cadre, and he's all mine. Give me a fastball, special PD. I'll gut that sucker from head to hips. So Colossus throws Wolverine towards the Sentinel's head. Wolverine takes off like a runway missile. But fast though he flies, the Sentinel reacts a fraction faster. And I imagine this has got to be that classic uh, sound scream that is used like in a in a in a, like a million different films. Yeah, I know exactly <laughs> what you're. I know exactly what you're talking about. What is the Wil the Wilhelm scream? I believe it's called, or something like that. I admit, I think I've heard it referred to as that. That that's what I would I would use for this. Do you know what the origin the origin of that scream is? Uh, it's something to do with somebody named Wilhelm. I would suppose. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I hate it when I actually hear that scream because it's been used so often. <laughs> Why are you using that? You're gonna have to dub it in now. <laughs> if I remember. <laughs> Pathetic organic being, you are so arrogant to believe you could even approach, much less penetrate, our innermost sanctum undetected. Oh, did we mention that he just blasted Wolverine and disintegrated him? Wolverine is dead. Yep. Well, you know, he is, uh, we see in the next panel, he is nothing left but an adamantium-laced skeleton. I don't think that that's an adamantium-laced skeleton, Adam. That, to me, looks like an adamantium skeleton. That looks like a Terminator to me. <laughs> it totally looks like a Terminator. That Well, the Sentinel reveals that the X-Men did not sneak up on the Sentinels, but the Sentinels allowed them to get into this level of the Baxter building, all the better to terminate them. Yield, X-Men, or suffer a similar fate. Storm freaks out and says, And she electrocutes the crap out of this guy's head. Squazark. Again, not like, I don't know why, why that one sentinel. 
There was just like one sentinel in all of them that was resistant to her lightning bolts. But yeah, uh, Omega Series was like, we never need to protect ourselves from a lightning attack because nobody's ever going to get near an Omega Series. Two more sentinels enter the room and they come across, I guess, Colossus, who's the own or no. Yeah, Colossus, who says, we may be hurt, Sentinel, but we're not beaten. We have faced greater odds and triumphed. Terminate one, Sentinel. Terminate 1,000. It makes no difference. Our numbers are too great. I gotta ask a question. Why did Reed Richards build these doors so high? (laughs) (laughs) The Sentinels have made adjustments. (laughs) Okay. Eventually, mutants, we will overwhelm you. And that's when... Colossus topples him and says to Storm to freeze him, so she calls, I guess, a blizzard, a snowstorm, to freeze that one sentinel. But while she's doing so, another sentinel uses his finger spear to stab her in the back, and she's dead. And you get a silhouetted death scene of Storm, which is... Peter! Aurora! And in this next panel, you see a clearly heartbroken Colossus clutching a dead storm in her his arms, and he's got tears streaking down his face, which begs me to believe, or I wonder, are those steel tears or oil tears? <laughs> or what kind of tears are those? That's, that's a great question. It can't just be saline. That doesn't make any sense. Well, what are his eyes? I mean, do his eyes turn steel? I would have to imagine. <laughs> how could he, he see out them? They're, they're like this has got to be blind. Really smooth uh, bearings with, I don't know. <laughs> Colossus's power, as cool of a character as he is, doesn't, doesn't really make sense because, like, you go into like internal organs and stuff. Like, are all those metal? Uh, Storm was like a sister to him, the best friend he ever had. He finds that her death is unendurable. He remembers the time that he had a crush on her, but they quickly killed that plot line. <laughs> He punches that sentinel out of the side of the Baxter building and it goes flying. He is gripped by a murderous berserker. Do that again. His hands red with blood. He screams. Uh, he he has found himself gripped by the murderous berserker fury, one that rivals Wolverines, and he welcomes it. On the street far below, tears stream down Rachel's face, but she makes no move to wipe them away. Instead, she she holds the unconscious body of Catherine Pride, which she which within which resides the mind and soul of Kitty Pride, tighter to her breast. Ooh, sexy! <laughs> in my mind, I felt Aurora and Logan die. I can feel Peter's rage. I want to break contact, but I can't. I don't want Peter to be alone when he he's dead so quickly. Yep, funny. She's experienced death so often in the minds of others, yet she's terrified of dying herself. If Kate's body dies here, will her mind be trapped in the past? If so, I wish her a happier life than the one she lived. We we did all we could, my darling Kate. Now it's up to you. Back in 1980, Kitty has caught up with the senator, who has now been cornered by Destiny, who's brandishing a... uh, Crossbow. Uh, crossbow. Well, what else is she going to do? She's an old lady. <laughs> and These were designed the year that I was born. I have a trebuchet outside that I will use if you try to escape. <laughs> My colleagues have been defeated, yet victory will still be ours with your death. Murdering me will accomplish nothing, true people will fear mutants as they fear all terrorists 
But they won't be cowed by fear. They'll fight back. They'll destroy you, Destiny. Possibly. But you are a greater threat alive. Do not try to evade my crossbow boat, Senator. I will sense your plans. I'm so tired. <laughs> a heartbeat before you even formulate them. I need to sit down. Did you know that McDonald's will sell you coffee for a quarter if you show them your senior citizen card? But don't get burned. That's what I do every Saturday. I go out for an apple pie and coffee. My grandkids get together for some apple pie. My grandkids don't call anymore. (laughs) Oh, wait! I'm going to shoot you with my crossbow. I won't run. If I could get my hands on you, I'd break your mutant neck. But do it. And that's when Kitty Pride of the future in the body of Kitty Pride of the past jumps through Destiny's body, and uh, she has uh, advanced powers, so she's able to make her shoulders uh, solid with the rest of her as still phased unsolid mm-hmm. and knocks the crossbow over a little bit. My mind. Mm-hmm. The temporal anomaly, a part of me consuming me. And essentially the same way that Kitty freaks out machines, she freaks out destiny. Yeah. So the arrow narrowly narrowly misses Senator Kelly's head. And uh, that's when she gets blasted back into the future, apparently. Yes, in that split second, an abyss opens within Kate Pride. Reality twists inside out, and suddenly she comes face to face with herself as a child. So innocent, so vulnerable, so young. Impulsively, she gives herself a kiss and lets the winds of eternity sweep her home. What's the U2 song where the lyric is the future needs a big kiss or something like that? That's That comes to my mind when I hear about future kitty giving young kitty a kiss do you know what i'm talking about nope oh all right maybe i'll try to dig that up and play it anyway storm flies in says i mean sprite are you all right senator kelly have you been harmed i'm gonna ask a lot of questions right now (laughs) storm where am i this isn't the danger room i feel awful Who are you, young women? Who is this child? I'm going to ask a lot of questions, too. (laughs) I'm not going to give anybody a chance to answer. Get out of my face. I am Storm, leader of the X-Men, and I suspect this child is the person who just saved your life. Mutants, like people, are both good and bad. Well, mutants are actually our people, but anyway. You would do well to remember that, Senator, before you seek to condemn us all. If you prick us... Do we not bleed? <laughs> Storm, says the, or thinks the professor. Well, he questions it. Storm, is that you? He does it telepathically. I've been so unconscious. <laughs> professor, the authorities are leaving, or are coming. We must leave. So they do. We will rendezvous at Angel's private aircraft swanky, swanky party. <laughs> Xavier, Dr. McTigard, thank heaven you're all right. Raven Darkholm is lingering behind the corner. Destiny captured as well. Have no fear, my dear brotherhood. Uh, you nor or have no fear, dear friend. Neither you nor the brotherhood will remain in prison for long. This Mystique swears. And at this point, Mystique could just pull out a gun and shoot Senator Kelly, thus killing him. She doesn't have a gun. Well, that's bad planning on Mystique's part. So they all board Angel's airplane and they talk about uh, 
They talk about the events that just occurred. You remember nothing, Kitty? Nope, except, well, I think I felt someone kiss me just before I woke up. It was pretty hot. Perhaps it was for the best. I think if I knew my future, I would spend my life trying to change it. How come the professor's on the plane? Would they swing by and pick him up? Well, they said, uh, uh, we will rendezvous at Angel's private aircraft. So, you know, uh, Moira and the professor were, like, making some excuses to the senator, and then they made their way out to Angel's airplane. Probably took them hours. The professor <laughs> probably stopped for ice cream. Sure. <laughs> probably. Coffee and an apple pie with destiny. Uh, you said you mind-scanned me. Professor, what did you find out about me, I mean? That Kate Pride is as delightful and admirable a person as Kitty Pride. The rest you will discover in due course. Except that all of these X-Men know what the future holds because old Kate told them. So aren't they going to spend the rest of their lives trying to change that future? Well, they think they already did. Hmm. Well, it's uh, Angel. Professor, we saved Kelly. Kitty's mind has been returned to her body. Does that mean we've changed the future? I do not know, Warren. Cliché though it sounds, only time will tell. Meanwhile, an epilogue at the White House. Uh, Now, I was reading the Terry Austin bits, and apparently Terry Austin... Like, there there were notes uh, before these issues, but written by Terry Austin. Apparently, John Byrne was not good at drawing, like, real people. Okay. So this is supposed to be President Reagan. Yes, it's not, though. And apparently, the, the Jimmy Carter from a previous episode, uh-huh. Terry Austin drew that. Really? John, John Byrne was like, I can't do Jimmy Carter. So, uh, uh, Sebastian Shaw and... Uh, Senator Kelly show up at the White House and visit the president, who we know at this point would have been Ronald Reagan. But the president in this whole page here is in shadows. Yep. Uh, and even the profile on this one panel does not look like a Reagan profile. But anyways, uh, so it's Kelly who says that he won't bandy words, gentlemen. He's read the reports. No, I don't know who that is. Who is that? I've read your report, Robert. Oh, who's Robert? Robert Kelly. Yeah. Well, who's talking then? Because Shaw is wearing the collared jacket. Oh, it's the president that's talking. It's the president. Gotcha. It's the recommendations are dangerous. They may be unconstitutional, even criminal. A draconian attitude for someone who owes his life to the mutant X-Men. A life that was initially threatened, that was threatened initially, Mr. President, by the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. If there were no mutants, period, my life wouldn't have been threatened at all. So, mutant eradication it is. (laughs) Oh, wait. Uh, Shaw steps up and he says there's also a national security aspect, sir. If there was an anti-government group of superpowered beings, mutant or otherwise, such a group uh, in the service of a foreign enemy would be a serious threat to the nation. I realize that for the moment our actions, my my actions, will remain top secret and and covert in nature. The aberration is codenamed Project Wide Awake. Allow me to present the man... Who will head it? Henry Peter Gyrich. Astute Avengers readers will recognize him. For me, this was his first appearance, but clearly it was not. <laughs> he will be no. responsible to me alone, and his authority in this matter will be absolute. Your first priority, Henry, will be to work with Shaw Industries to design and construct a new series of robot sentinels. You'll have them, sir. And you have my word. This mutant controversy will be resolved. If we find them to the, be a threat to, the, to, the, to the, this republic, a threat to the world, a threat to the human race, they will be dealt with permanently. 
So swears Henry Peter Guyrich. Dun, dun, dun. Next issue. Demon. When you're alone, Kitty Pride, in space, no one can hear you scream. <laughs> oh, wait. She's not in space. I hope she <laughs> runs around in her underwear for a while. I hope she, she's 13. Jeez. When you're alone in space, there's no one. To, that's an alien ripoff. I know, but you yeah. just said, I hope a 13-year-old runs around in her underwear. Just like Sigourney Weaver did. Jeez. Sigourney Weaver was not 13. God, why do you got to twist everything and make it dirty? All right. Uh, no mail this time around. Uh, but if you would like to get in contact with us, you can do so by visiting us at www.xmenpodcast.com, or you can email us at dangerroom at redcatproductions.com. You can go and visit our Facebook page is www.facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast, or you can visit our Twitter page at Danger Room Go, uh, or you can go out to iTunes, type in Danger Room, and uh, find us there, subscribe to us, leave us a five-star rating, leave us a review, whatever you'd like. Um, I think I, or you can listen to us on Stitcher. What else we got? Is that it, Adam? And you did the, you did the phone number, right? Yes, 501-GET-X-MEN for all the people that don't want to use that. Um, actually, though, but I guess before we move on, what what do you think of that that the the classic John Byrne, Chris Claremont, Days of Future Past story? Oh, I mean, it's excellent. I mean, it's 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 good. I would, uh, I, would I would say that the ending doesn't quite live up to the first half, but they rarely do. Well, it's kind of difficult because you got to figure out like how are we going to kill these characters in a way that. The fans have imagined that it's going to be, like, gripping and emotional and, like, you know, whatever. All those emotions conjured up. And actually, I think it, it did it did do that. I thought it did it a bit quick. I guess if it was my story, I would have preferred to see more time and more story between each death. So you could really kind of be like, oh, my God, Wolverine's dead. Oh, my God, now Storm's dead. Rather than just, like, two pages and they're all dead. But that's just me. It's kind of like when they killed all of these G.I. Joe guys off in <laughs> one panel. No, it's not like that at all, Adam. This was a much better story. Well, yes, it was. <laughs> but anyways, I mean, it, it, it feeds into, uh, you know, the Henry Peter Gyrick part, which he doesn't become a huge character, but he certainly is involved with X-Men lore for quite a while longer. Got to be honest, I don't remember the next time we see Sentinels in the X-Men comics, but that's okay. Well, I can tell you some spoilers from this is that... Um, we do learn that this does become an alternate reality. Right. And we do see some ongoings. Yep. Um, Wolverine, after getting killed, uh, a couple things happen to him. One, he gets teleported into, I think, an issue of Exiles. He also gets teleported into... Uh... Oh, I'll get to that. I'll get oh, to that. I already talked he about He gets that. teleported to an issue of Exiles where he has to sacrifice his life to save the world or something like that. And then he gets teleported right back to the instant of his death where after he dies, he gets picked up by Machine Man, which I believe is what you were about to talk about, mm -hmm. and sent to Paradise X or whatever. I think it was Paradise X, yeah. I didn't know that he got zapped by Exiles first. That's kind of dumb. <laughs> well, the fact that he got zapped twice. The fact that he got zapped once, like when I was reading Paradise X... And they flip to that, and they see you see him being blasted, and then you see him popping out into Machine Man. I was like, oh, man, what a cool idea. But now that you told me that it was like the second time around, it's Well, I think, I think the Machine Man one came first. Oh, okay. And then the Exiles one came after that. 
and that's why at the end of the exiles when they had to send him back so that he could be sent to the paradise x1 <laughs> wolverine's like what the hell could i just die <laughs> yeah seriously uh and then honestly it'll be interesting to to see how this plays out because i don't i don't honestly know how this rachel that we met ties in with spoilers rachel summers that we'll meet later on right well well we know that this is like the marvel universe proper that we're used to is marvel 616 yes it's like a zip code yes and i believe the days of future past uh X, uh, world is marvel 811 okay so but so I, I don't know if i don't know if the rachel summers that we meet ends up being this rachel summers i don't think it is actually it is may it? not be i guess i i have always assumed that it was just due to the fact that she's got red hair and her first name is rachel and she's a mutant from the future yeah, I don't think it actually is though, because isn't she like a some sort of slave mutant hunter? Yeah, the Rachel Summers that we get to know, it was a hound, a mutant hound that the Sentinels used right. to round up other uh, mutants. But that could work. I mean, think about it. Like when Kate Pride returns to her body, I guess we don't know what happens next. Either they yeah, cease I guess to we'll exist. They either cease to exist or. Um, I don't. Yeah, I guess we'll just have to find out because I, I, I don't know. I could. All I could do is sit here and speculate. So let's not do that. <laughs> it's exciting. Yeah. I can't find out. So, anyways, a uh, great story, great fodder for future stories in the X Men. Uh, I by this time we've seen the movie and it's awesome or not or not. <laughs> it's totally mediocre and they totally killed a whole bunch of characters that they didn't need to kill. One of those three things happened. I'm not sure which. Anyways, uh, <clears throat> did you do any additional reading, Adam? Uh, this month, Avengers 204 came out, and it was a weird little... Uh, Avengers lately is just going off the rails. Uh, as a side note, Be- is, Beast is dating all the Rockettes. That was kind of interesting. Okay. But anyway, that's what, not what this is about. Um, the Avengers receive a distress call from a woman being held captive by the Yellow Claw which I guess is a classic Captain America villain. Okay. And so they go out to investigate, and Vision and Wasp enter the island fortress that they, where that yellow claw lives at, but the rest of them have to find a normal way in through the front door, um, and they end up fighting like giant mechanical jellyfishes and the like. When they finally get inside, Vision has been captured, and uh, it turns out that the woman with the distress call wasn't kidnapped, but an arranged bride. And she says she doesn't want to marry Yellow Claw. And Yellow Claw's like, you know what? I got nine other women lined up to be my bride, so I don't care. You can go. And so the Avengers leave with him, with the with the woman. And Yellow Claw's like, yeah, take that. I got, I got. I'm gonna impregnate these nine women with Damn. sons, Damn. and they're gonna fight each other. And to claim my ultimate destiny, the conquest and eradication of the Western world. And there's nothing you can do about it, Avengers. So take that. Well. It was sort of weird. <laughs> the, the Avengers left kind of disgruntled. Well, I guess we came what we wanted, but we we really should probably kick Yellow Claw's butt. But jurisdiction says we can't. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, so they don't. Okay. Anything else? No. That's it? Yeah. Oh. I guess, well, we don't know what's going on with Iceman. 
Angel's an X-Man right now. I guess that's all there is, isn't there? Yeah, Iceman's on hiatus. Yeah, until next time, the danger room is closed. It's the end of the-